Welcome to the Expat Empire Podcast, the podcast where you can hear from expats around the world and learn how you can join them. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us today on the Expat Empire Podcast. Before we get to the interview, I want to remind you that we're offering a free consulting call to anyone interested in moving abroad. Whether you're thinking about retiring somewhere warm, starting an international career, or becoming a digital nomad, we're ready to help you think through the next steps in your journey. Send us a message at expatempire.com to schedule your call today. With that said, let's start the conversation. Hey, Kate, thanks so much for joining us today on the Expat Empire podcast. Thank you so much for having me, David. It's uh, such a pleasure to uh, yeah to talk uh, talk to you, and I'm looking forward to uh, to have a to have a good conversation of what it's really like to uh, live in Denmark. So yeah, exactly, and it's a place that I've personally really enjoyed visiting. So I'm super excited to hear about your thoughts on what it's like to actually live there, and of course how you're helping people do that through your business as well. But before we dive into the Denmark portion, I'd love just to hear a bit about your overall story, if you give it to us, and kind of a nutshell, where you're originally from, where you've lived so far, and where you're currently living. Yeah, sure. So uh, I am American as well, uh, such as yourself. And I I come from Michigan. I come from a very small town in the middle of nowhere. So if I give that name, no one's going to mm-hmm. know. But if I say Detroit, everyone knows Detroit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're going to say uh, same from there. And or I come from a small village uh, in uh, from Michigan. Uh, and uh, yes, long story short, I've lived in Europe for about uh, 13 years now. Uh, I've lived in Germany. Uh, currently, I live in Denmark. I came to Denmark uh, to be with the love of my life. It, actually, uh, Denmark was an accident. Uh, it shouldn't have happened, to be honest. I was studying abroad. I decided to stay to, in Germany to do my master's. And then, you know, I, I uh, through a mutual friend, uh, I met the, the love of my life and uh, decided to reinvent myself and uh, come to Denmark. I have my Master of Arts in uh, Humanities uh, within European Studies. Uh, um, just means political science of the EU and economics. And so, and what I do now is I teach internationals how to communicate their value to Danish companies in a Danish cultural context. And what that just means is job search strategies um, based on, on my experiences. And, um, it, and I focus more on the cultural context and also uh, just focus more on the practical sides uh, when it comes to job searching as well, because it's my own story. It's my own experiences. You know, I, uh, I've had uh, I, before I'm doing what I do now. Uh, I was in sales. Uh, I was in sales in Denmark uh, for four and a half years within the startup sales industry and had more than five jobs uh, within four and a half years, which is a lot, uh, crazy a lot, maybe too much. But, you know, I wouldn't be doing what I am today without those experiences. Uh, So, yeah, uh, that's really my story in a nutshell. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah. Well, going back to the very beginning, uh, starting, I guess, with Germany. So how did you end up getting the interest in moving abroad and to Europe and to Germany in particular? Maybe there's a longer story there from, you know, when you were very young or maybe it happened at, uh, you know, a snap of the fingers and you just moved over to Germany. So I'd like to hear about your beginnings and interest in living abroad. Yeah. So really my experiences or wanting to move abroad it, it's always kind of been inherent, like I have a, just a very curious nature. 
and I always wanted to know what was on the other side. And as being an American, uh, you know, we're always interested in our ancestry, like where do we come from, right? And I have on my mother's side, which is Polish, and my dad's side is German. And so I, I had that interest to 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 want to do it, but it was always a bit suppressed because I come from a very conservative uh, religious community uh, in Michigan. And I, yeah, and, and they don't really understand the difference between communism and socialism. Hmm. <laughs> so, hmm. uh, so that may, or like being a socialist democracy and that that can actually work together. Uh, so they were a bit confused by that. But anyways, and really what kind of pushed me toward that edge of like really saying, I'm just, I'm just going to do this. I don't care what my family says. Um, I've had two exchange students that hmm. came to my high school one was a Dane and one was a German hmm. and we did everything together in uh, high school. And, and once they have confirmed my ideas and beliefs on life and how, where, how I want to live, they're like, Oh yeah, that's totally okay. And I was like, really, this is fine. Like you don't judge me for this. And they're like, Oh yeah, totally. Like we're like, we're, we're totally rooting for you. Like no problem. <laughs> so, and, uh, and I, and then that kind of got me to, to give an excuse to uh, come to Europe. And I came to visit my, my friend uh, from, uh, who, yeah, from Denmark uh, and came to visit him back in, oh my God, that was like, fifth, yeah, I, yeah, it's been, yeah, a long time now. It's been, it was like about 11, 12 years ago mm-hmm. uh, when I first came to Copenhagen, I was 18 and just and just went for it and I loved it and said you know what I'm I'm going to come back and so I took Germany when I decided to study abroad uh, when I when I did my bachelor's in at Central Michigan University was because essentially it was cheaper at the time the euro was much much cheaper than the Danish krona mm-hmm. uh, now the euro and the Danish krona are about the same in currency right now it's not that big of a difference right now to be quite frank probably because of COVID but yeah that kind of pushed me over the edge to say like this is where I want to be and then once I studied abroad uh, and saw how Germany was. I was like, oh, this is actually really cool. I I want to come back. <laughs> like I I, I want and, and I knew that if I came back, I was going to come indefinitely. Right. So then I went back, uh, fin- uh, did some uh, some courses I need to finish up for my bachelor's. Uh, came back to Germany to uh, and finished up my bachelor's while I was in Germany from Central Michigan University. Was an au pair. Uh, applied for a master's program uh, in Flensburg, and I got in, and, mm. uh, and then that, the rest is history, really. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So, how did you decide to pick the city of Flensburg to do your studies and to study that ma- that major in particular? Yeah. Um, honestly, I, I knew I, I wanted to continue my studies with European studies. I did my uh, Bachelor of Arts actually as well in uh, European studies, uh, but that was more like it was more uh, sociology, to be quite honest. And so I wanted something that was more political science, economics and more targeted, more about learning about the European Union. And where European studies for my bachelor was more like, I would call it cultural studies, uh, more or less. And so I was looking into different programs. I honestly went to Flensburg because it was cheaper Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it was a bit more academic. And it was really tough because there were a few other programs that I was looking into. Uh, There was one in Bremen that I was going to do, I was considering to do. And it was a one year program and it was definitely a lot more practical, but it was just super expensive. And I just decided, well, I could do it in one year. 
but I also wanted to take the time to do my studies because I, I did my high school, my high school uh, diploma in three years. Mm. Um, and then I did my bachelor like within uh, within three years as well. And I thought, okay, well, maybe it's okay to like, instead of feeling like I have to like speed through, like, st- instead of going hardcore studies all the time uh, that I've done in my life, I just decided that maybe I'll just take this to really take the time to, to do it instead of feeling like I need to like go through my life very quickly, you know, and, and wanted to really enjoy it. Um, and also I was really interested in the border studies. It was like, it was pretty close between my two friends, uh, one in Germany and, and one in Denmark. And so Flensburg was just kind of that nice middle city. And so I thought, you know what, like, let's go for it and let's do it. I mean, I don't regret it. Um, there are some looking back, I was thinking like, well, I maybe could have done this or this major, but I decided to go for European studies because I really wanted to educate myself on Europe and I felt that my education about of Europe was lacking, uh, especially within the cultural studies department, because I, I mean, I went to a private school, um, a religious school, and I felt I had to relearn everything completely. Mm. And I felt that my education uh, was lacking in a lot of ways because I was also taught, like, I'll, I'll give you an example. As part of the religion that I grew up with, I was taught that the European Union was a sign that it was the like the sign that it was like the end times and Armageddon. Mm. And it was like really like that one first chapter of like, okay, this is the first step to like there being one world government. And then that's the sign of uh, the Antichrist coming and so on. And uh, and then they thought, oh, my God, European Union, that's the first step. And so I just (laughs) kind of did it to rebel. <laughs> so it was my own, really, and I was like, well, I'm going to find out what this really is. And then once I studied it, I was like, oh, this is actually really interesting. And I really like it and, uh, and thought it was an interesting concept. So it, it really was just more of like a re-education, mm. really. And so, and that's why I studied it because it was what I genuinely was interested in. But like using my studies, like I, I never really truly used what I did. I don't regret it. And not at all. Like Mm -hmm. I I really am happy that I did it because I went from like, I I had a plan. Right. And then my plan was to go to Brussels, um, Mm. work at an NGO and, and go forward with there. And that was originally what my plan was for my life. And then love happened and love kind of broke that plan a little bit. So you can't like, you can't have everything control, like what you're going to do, et cetera. Like sometimes you have to just go with the flow of life. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And that's uh, why I did yeah. it. <laughs> so in a nutshell. So. Yeah, yeah, it makes perfect sense. And thank you for the more in-depth overview there. I'm curious if I could just take one step back on it. As you looked at that program, and of course, it sounds like it was very different from what you were brought up to believe or your initial education. How did your family look at this situation where you were moving all the way halfway across the world and to study these different things, especially within the context of maybe especially in Germany, it sounds like part of your family was from there. So there was some history there at the same time. It sounds like it flew in the face of what you had been taught growing up. So yeah, it really, I think a lot of it, I I don't want to get too much in detail Mm -hmm. of it, but a lot of it had to do like with my own personal life. Um, My, I, my dad was a single father. My mother died Mm -hmm. when I was really small. So, and he had three kids to raise on his own all under the age of five. So I Mm -hmm. think for 
him, it was just something like being overprotective, I think. And maybe whether it was these from the religion or from uh, his beliefs, or maybe he said things to how to put it. Yeah. Just, just to kind of keep me in line. And and I think a lot of it was because he really tried to protect me and shield me from certain things of the world that he was terrified of because he did not understand. And if you're afraid of something, right, if you're genuinely afraid of something that you don't know, or you hear about um, on the news or in media or on like, you know, wherever, wherever you're listening to the news and to your information, um, that can be uh, genuinely terrifying for people, I think. Um, right. And I think he just really wanted to shield me uh, from those things. And I just, I really didn't want to be shielded anymore. And I just wanted to live my life and have my experiences. And I didn't want to be daddy's little girl anymore. No, it's true. I wanted yeah. to be my own independent woman. And I wanted to make my own mistakes and really wanted to like be okay with that you know no matter what I did like that I was going to be okay and I had to you know break away from that they and and honestly like I didn't have a relationship with my father and uh for like I I didn't talk to him for seven years Mm -hmm. uh and it was a long time and then it had to turn like my life turned around when I got engaged and mm. got married and now I have my my six-month-old son things have been turned around for the better and he actually came to Denmark and realized oh like these are not like I think he's opened his eyes as well like when 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 you come from a community as like conservative as where I come from and then like come to a country that you're terrified of going to because you don't know anything of and once he was here he realized that I had a good life that you know that things are good here and that my husband is a good person you know Mm. and that he's like he's you know like good people and knew that I was in good hands I think he then started to uh to accept it he might not like it I mean who likes their (laughs) daughter to be on the other side of the world. I don't think any parent really does, to be honest with you, but but at least he accepted it and he accepted my life choices. And that's all I wanted, you know, wanted from him. And now we have built our relationship, but a lot of it had to do with, you know, forces of nature of my, of him being married to another woman who pushed to have you know, uh, us to have a relationship again without her, I wouldn't be, you know, mm. with, uh, really like, I generally owe her so much, like without her, I would not have the relationship to my father like I do today. Mm. And, um, and now, yeah, it's, uh, it's funny that, you know, with just taking that step to travel could, and to open your, could open your mind to so many things, you know, so, and that changed and it definitely, I, I think I changed him for the better. So yeah, I, I think it's consistently shown, I mean, among our stories, but also the people that we know and the people that we work with and our friends and family that travel really can change lives. And so it's awesome that uh, we're able to share that in this, you know, together, but in this context of the podcast. And I really appreciate, yeah, you going into your story about that, because I think that's a really powerful message. So I guess going now to thinking back on your time in Germany. So you finished your master's program there. You were able to get the studies that you wanted in, in a good university and a good program. So what was your thinking after that? It sounds like 
the plan changed from going to Belgium to working, you know, uh, to love got in the way uh, in a good way and things changed. But just if you could just walk us through kind of your path from there, what you did, uh, maybe the rest of the time in Germany and also, of course, how you ultimately made it to Denmark. Yeah, so I really met my now husband uh, when I was studying my master's uh, degree in Flensburg. And so and at the time to support my studies, I was a freelance English teacher hmm. um, and taught it was mainly children English. But I also like I I, I, try, I did so many different things as an English teacher. And I think one of the most exciting things I ever did was teach the prison guards in Flensburg English. And I mm. never felt so safe in my life. I knew if there was a prison break, I'm like, I'm surrounded by guards. No problem. <laughs> I'm all good. <laughs> so, um, and, but it was really fun and I enjoyed being an English and I, and I didn't have an English, uh, you know, teaching education, but I learned and was taught uh, various methods uh, by the companies and uh, that I worked for and and it was fun I, I really enjoyed it a lot uh, especially with kids uh, and uh, and that's how I supported myself and then I tried to do my PhD mm-hmm. at uh, Keele University and it didn't work out and then once uh, my PhD wasn't really quite working out the way I wanted it to uh, it was mainly because of funding Mm-hmm. Uh, and couldn't find the funding for it. My PhD was based on the kin state minorities. And what kin state mean is like the border region minorities. I was focusing on Slovak, Hungarian, and the uh, German Danish in regarding to this uh, European Charter for Regional Minority Languages and how uh, this charter uh, impacted certain areas like education, uh, for example. And so I couldn't find the funding in Germany for it uh, to do my PhD. It was it was it was bloody tough. I then lost one of my biggest clients uh, mm-hmm. at the time, and uh, it, it just kind of my my world in a different way was falling apart. And so I didn't know like what to do. So what I did was actually apply for a job in China. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was because a friend of mine who was studying actually when I studied and decided to go to Germany. Uh, from central Michigan, he decided to study abroad in China and end up staying in China. And then I remember talking to him and and Mark was telling me like, you know, like you should really come to China. Uh, You know, there's a lot of English, you you have uh, English teaching experience. Uh, You might as well just go for it. Like, you know, just uh, here are some companies I recommend, like apply for it. And I was like, okay, okay, that's fine. And so I applied, I had the interview, I was offered a job at a very lucrative deal, uh, to go uh, to Beijing, if I remember, I believe it was Beijing at the time. And so I was like, okay, this this could be very interesting. And so I was considering to accept that offer. And I remember telling my boyfriend, now husband, about this and that I was sincerely considering it. And I remember, I remember that we went really silent. And I was like, okay, so what are you thinking right now? <laughs> like, well, he's like, why, why don't you come to Denmark and move in with me? And that really terrified me. Like when he said that, I felt like that was almost a marriage proposal. Not quite, but I was just like, okay. It felt to me at that time more foreign to move in with someone to another country, which was just, it was like, it was for me like a 30 minute walk and I would have crossed the border to Denmark, right? Like, and that was more foreign to me than going to China. Uh, because it was like the next step of my like I've never t- lived with someone and taken the next step of our relationship and uh, to live with someone 
And that would have been at least to some point the more natural step. But I also knew like he did it because if we move, if I moved to China, our relationship would have been over completely. Mm-hmm. And I and I think he knew that too. And so when he did that, I think it was kind of like a a last like a last offer resort because <laughs> he I think he knew that he would have lost me. Right. And so I remember one of the things that I did was to make a list. And we'll make a list of pros and cons of like, should I go to China? Should I go to Denmark? What should I do? Because yeah, I knew that if I went to Denmark, I wouldn't have any, like I, I would have to look for something, right? And uh, and I made this list about all these pros and cons. And I remember just like taking the list and just taking it back and like thinking, and I thought about it for some days. And then I thought of like a question that like really popped up in my head and it just was like an epiphany. And I wrote on the bottom of this list, like what would make me happy? Mm. And then I realized that the list didn't matter at all. Like one, not one iota. And then that's was really what determined me to go to Denmark was Mm. just because I knew that he would make me happier than go to China. So that's why that's the story of, Amazing. My my whole journey of going to Denmark <laughs> and somebody taking that step and not going to China. So yeah. Right. So uh, was he already thinking about then moving back to Denmark, or this was just like how was the timing kind of working out, and and how was it? Of course, he's from there, right? I guess so. Yeah. Is that sort of what made the decision? And did you move to where he was originally from? Kind of how did it all work out? Yeah. So maybe to clarify, he was already living in Aarhus, actually. Mm. So we met through a mutual friend from high school that I told you about earlier from my high school in the United States. Mm. And so he and so how I met my now husband or boyfriend was that we met at a party. It's a cultural party in Denmark called Festalaune. So it's kind of like the Danish version of Halloween. So you how how it is is really it's like if you take the Mexican fiesta and you put the American Halloween party put it together you have festalauna mm-hmm. uh and it's in february and so and i was invited to this party and that's how i met from my friend back in high school and so i decided to go to that party in Aarhus, which is like a two-hour train ride from flensburg uh to denmark and uh, yeah and that's how i met him and he was studying in Aarhus, so we were mm-hmm. doing like a, a weekend relationship so I, we were seeing okay. each other at least like every weekend or every other weekend, or if I, you know, when I was working in the summer, which was my high season, maybe I would see him for like a week or two in the summer, you know, and then go back to having, but, and we did this for like, oh gosh, we've been together since it's almost 10 years now, not quite, but it'll be 10 years next year, February. So Mm -hmm. we've been together for nine. So yeah. So, so we were doing long distance for like, five six years something mm, like okay, that okay okay so I like see. a long time so we were to yeah so we were for us so it was like the longest relationship i think we both ever were in at that time and so it was just that natural step and he and we did talk of the idea of going for him to come to germany but his german wasn't good enough uh to get something and he was also studying in Aarhus at the time and he was doing his master's planning to do his phd and when I did the research about Denmark, I kind of realized that I could probably get something without being fluent in Danish right. and that that possibility was higher than him getting something in uh, Germany, uh, especially with his field, because he's a physicist. Uh, uh, mm. So, yeah. And, and it just was like 
yeah it, so that's one of the reasons why when he invited me it was like over it would have been the natch like just the next step or the natural step since we were to, uh, together for already quite some time in a long distance relationship <laughs> so yeah so it sounds like you had a chance to visit there many times over those years. So how how was your perspective on the life in Denmark and in Aarhus in particular? I mean, can you walk us through um, your perspective going in and then what it was like in the first few months after you made the move? Yeah, so I really like I, I would say at the time I had a really different perspective of Denmark mm. than than I do today. It's a, it's like a 180 almost. Uh, I mean, not I wouldn't say it's really it's more of like a 90 degree, maybe not 180, but it definitely I have a different perspective now than I did then. Um, then it was just more like you know I went there to uh, to party. Uh, I went because uh, I had my mutual friend there. I would go there to see him. We would party there. Uh, I, you know, I would also with my with my husband. We would also just or my my, my boyfriend, I should say at the time, uh, my husband now. And we and I would say that my perception of Danes and it's still maybe the same today that I still find that at the time that Danes were very kind, very caring, willing to go all their way to help you. And I still still hold to that today in that way that there most Danes are willing to go out of their way to help you. Like, for example, I remember when I would cross the border and like have my luggage bag that someone would always be coming to help like all any like almost anyone would offer and then when i would come back to germany no one would help me like <laughs> no. no one like it was just totally like different and i and in i remember like one time i got completely lost uh going somewhere and i when i stopped someone always helped me uh, to ask for when i was asking for directions i would get that sometimes in germany but i felt that it was more accessible. Like if I felt like if, if I needed directions, I would had to do it in German. Uh, whereas in Denmark, I felt like I didn't need to to do it in in Danish. You know, mm -hmm. and I felt like I can just do that in it because everyone spoke Danish, like Dan everyone spoke, speaks English fluently in Denmark. Uh, right. In Germany, it's just I think it just depends on the area that you're in. And, and Flensburg is like a smaller town. So you're more forced to speak German, which is fine. And and I was OK with it. I mean, I, I the originally like, I thought I was going to be in Brussels or at least needed German if I was going mm -hmm. to Brussels at the time. So it's like, yeah, it's a natural step to, you know, to learn th this language. Uh, so uh, when I came to Denmark, Mark, I never, when I came to visit, I never expected that I needed to learn Danish, you know, at the time. So, um, and I, yeah, I'm just trying to think of other perspectives. Um, really, I really, I felt it was more accessible uh, to me in a different way where it was more about the language where, because I mean, English, everyone spoke English uh, and I had a great person. And I still have to hold that perspective of Danes being kind and caring and so on uh, to some degree, uh, especially being friendly, but yeah. And then when I came, and then when I came to, when I moved to Denmark, I think some of those things changed completely, but I guess that will be your next question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, just if you could finish that thread, <laughs> I think yeah, that would sure. be really helpful. Yeah. Because that's kind of the big picture, right? Is I'm, there's the sort of fun weekend trip tourist sort of experience, and then there's the real deal. So let us know the real deal. Yeah. The real deal. I would say that when I, I think it changed more dramatically within 
after a few years, it, it, it took a while to kind of realize the whole assessment or the situation, if you know what I mean. Um, I never thought it would be so difficult to be with my now husband in Germany. It would have been easier for me to marry a German and get German citizenship. I would have definitely had German citizenship by now if mm -hmm. I were to have, if my now husband were German, if we were in Germany, if, if this was, this would be a completely different story, right? But I have no many friends who have been found German partners, got married, and they have German citizenship now. This is not, this is not an issue. For me as an American, having a child. I never thought immigration, even then, like I, there was different rules now uh, then, and it made it easier. And I was one of the last people who had a green card scheme. And uh, it's different in the perception of what green card means in the United States compared to Denmark. And even this system doesn't exist anymore, where I was able to work in or like to uh, uh, or have work uh, in order to find something in my field. And that's what I was trying to do. It didn't end up going in that direction, but I still like contributed to the economy. I wasn't working like at a pizza place. I was working as a good, uh, a good salary and, and decent salary, probably even better paid than most people within the industry that I was in, to be frank. And yeah, and, and I felt that it was easy for me to get positions in Denmark and that, uh, but I felt it was, I was a little bit surprised at how hard it was to keep one. Mm. Um, and I found that it was because that, and one of the things I learned was that Denmark was, is still quite an egalitarian culture. It's a monoculture. Uh, immigration is still a new phenomenon in Denmark. Uh, you know, it's only been since like the 60s or 70s. It's the same, similar history to Germany, where Germany invited uh, Turkish immigrants and other immigrants to come rebuild uh, Denmark after World War II. Uh, and uh, in Denmark was the same. But then I didn't expect think that there would be racism and xenophobia mm. in the same way, because you'd think that, you know, uh, I mean, Germany has learned that history, but if you're on the right side of history, you don't have to act that way. <laughs> I think that's how it's it, mm. it, how I feel is a little bit perceived. And it's it, and I feel like as someone who contributes to society, I thought I would be accepted much more openly. Like I think even having an American, having someone as an American working in a company in a startup, I felt like sometimes I was hired just so that then they can say, "Oh, we're an international company," and I was the only in, international. Like there was no other ethnicities other than a Danes and one American. You know, right. and then they right. would say that. And I was like, really? Like, you're not, I would not consider you an international company because you have one American in your team and the rest are Danes. And so I kind of felt sometimes I was used as like a branding tool in that in that way. And I felt like the I didn't really realize about how different different the work culture was mm. like compared to United States. And, and, it, and it took me years to find this out. And I was always finding like, what's going on? Like what's wrong? And I think it goes both ways. Right. I think of course you can say like, it's all on them. Of course, some of it is on me as well. I'm not like, I'm not saying I'm completely innocent in the matter. I think that there's a lack of intercultural communications training. Mm -hmm. Like United States is way ahead. I mean, you, United States is in a different place, right? Because we have a different history as Americans right. uh, or United States. Uh, whereas Denmark has a very different history 
and um, doesn't feel that they need to do that. And they feel like we, as we as internationals, are we're the ones that need to conform, not the other way around. And so, uh, and I feel like it, it goes both ways. And I'm trying to think of another, yeah, I think it's really just, I mean, of course, the Danish language, I mm. I thought would be easier for me to learn. I, I I found out it's much harder. I was more pushed to to learn German. I feel, and I and I and I was fine with that. But it's a lot easier to talk German because it has this it, like an English and a German has the same intonation when you go up and down. But I like to make the joke that. Denmark, the Danish language is kind of like flatline. Like it sounds like, you know, like that heart monitor rate when it goes flat. That's how <laughs> Danish sounds like. It's like, you know, and, and maybe if there's like a little blip, you mm-hmm. know, like a little, but it'll be like very little. And mm-hmm. it's like when you make a joke and, and it's like, ha ha, and everyone, and I'm like, where's the joke? Like I'm looking for the intonation and I right. can't, like, I can't find that where the intonation for it. So I think that's what makes it so difficult is that I can read, I understand, I can, uh, you know, have some sort of basic conversation, but I still, even to this day, being in Denmark for five years, I can't talk the way I used to talk in German where I can have a political discussion um, and to have that and that, and that still can be quite difficult um, in that way. And I think it's because Danes don't push people hard enough, like they do to some degree, but I think it could be done in a more gentle way with it. And everyone does talk about, yes, you need to be fluent in Danish to get a job. I I think it's true to some degree, but I think it just depends on the field. I mean, I got something in Denmark without needing to be fluent in in Danish. And I think if one becomes fluent in Danish, it not only increases your chances of getting a job, excuse me, also just to be accepted and be promoted. There's so many different things. But and I think it's it's kind it is talked about, but everyone just because everyone speaks English so well it's not it doesn't feel it's pushed as heavily as it should be if you know what I mean um, it's hard to explain uh, right. in that in that context and I think the other thing is I didn't realize like like living now like compared to it was five years ago I, I mean it's become now more it's right now, especially with the political parties and with the local election coming up uh, in this fall, it's now about who can be the most hardcore on immigration right now. Mm. And but Den- but at the other hand, Denmark is screaming for ed- highly educated people and they say, yes, we want people, but then they want to be more hardcore on immigration. So I'm thinking to myself, well, if you want to attract people, uh, especially highly educated, maybe make it a little bit easier when it comes to your immigration. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I and I never really would have thought like that I would have experienced, especially like sexism, because like Denmark mm-hmm. is like like there's so many great things in Denmark as well. I'm I am being a little bit pessimistic right now, but I will talk about some of the positive things. Like I love the welfare system. I, I I'm a huge advocate of it. And and I think it's great. I love digitalization. I love that everything is super centralized. Everything is digital. It's one of the most digitalized countries in the world. I love, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, the idea of the social democracy and, 
And there's, yeah, and, and these are the things I love with Denmark, you know, to be able to pay it for. Because, like, for example, I love that my taxes can help my, uh, like, people who are, you know, disabled or so on. Because, you know, it's like in Denmark, it's the best country in the world to be disabled mm-hmm. uh, and to be handicapped. And because I, I have my, my husband's family, uh, they have muscular dystrophy. Mm-hmm. And so they wouldn't be able to have the treat or the care. They wouldn't have the, the, the wheelchairs. They wouldn't have the handicapped helpers. They wouldn't have the cars to be able to get around. Like, you know, and that's subsidized and that, and that, and that helps them. And so I'm really happy to, to do that. Uh, and also to uh, know that my son, uh, he will be one day have a free university uh, education system. And that's great. And I know that he will have that chance to have that education unless they change the laws in the next 18 years hopefully <laughs> right. not but and and I and I think those are great things but I know one of the things that will really bug me is that I know that Danish society will never accept my son who is half American half mm-hmm. Dane and that they will not consider him a full Dane uh, because he's born, uh, you know, from a Mid American, uh, and they even have this term of like half Dane in, in the language, um, uh, and it, and it kind of it gets under my skin a little bit. I mean, he is Danish. Um, he will be a Dane, and he will be an American. And but also, it's about how he feels at the end of the day, uh, and right. and so and to give him that choice and not have society put a label on him, and also it's just like yeah, with the immigration xenophobia. Uh, also, Denmark has now recently is taking away some of Syrian refugee status, where they will yeah when it comes to residency, some some residents will not will. Be sent to detention camps and may, will probably stay there because they Denmark does not have a Syrian uh, embassy. So that's like a huge mm. deal right now that the UN and the EU has criticized that Denmark is now allowing <laughs> to uh, to take away these uh, some of the Syrian uh, refugees uh, residency statuses. So yeah, I, 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 and also there is still, in my opinion, some sexism, especially with my experiences uh, working with startups. I never thought sexism would happen because it's like it's also Denmark has a great maternity system mm-hmm. and also paternity. I mean, my husband's going to be on paternity uh, in a month from now. And I'm so thankful for that. So I can go back to work and be able to have a co-working space and have a, have a studio and everything instead of the background I have now, you know, and um, yeah, it's just like, you know, these are the things that I never expected to experience because you're like, especially when you come to Denmark or when, when I was studying about Denmark, I was like, oh, it's such an open country. You know, they accept me like, you know, when I'm at a party, things are like this and it's like, and the welfare state, it's all, and and I really imagined Denmark to be all unicorns, butterflies and buttercups. (laughs) And it turned out to be a, a different story. And, and I do love Denmark. There's so many great things of Denmark I love but at the same time it also has its baggage that I really hope one day these issues will be fixed I mean what I don't what when it will ever be fixed I don't know I mean you know every country has its own issues mm-hmm. um but I really you know there's some things I would say I'm very disappointed in because I thought I really truly thought it was it was uh, it was something completely different than I expected you know so Right. Do you feel like that's something that has been rising since the time that you moved there? Or has this just been the case and it just has really good marketing? I mean, I'm trying to dive in a little bit, if possible, 
underneath the surface to see why is the the marketing and if you want to call it that of the image of Denmark and what you thought going into it so different from what you've actually experienced. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it has been something within the last five years that has been growing, and it's mostly has been because of this of the Syrian refugee crisis. Mm-hmm. I remember when I first came to Denmark, that was when the refugee crisis happened of the Syrian refugees uh, coming, you know, from Syria and immigrating and starting to move north into Scandinavia, and that really started, in my opinion, started uh, some of the xenophobia. I mean, it's always kind of been there, I think, um, especially, uh, we'll also call it Islamophobia. Uh, mm-hmm. And this has been, I, I, I think, deep down has been there. But I but I think it's also been triggered, you know, looking back a little bit from the Muslim, uh, from the uh, car- uh, Muslim cartoon of Mohammed, you know, back, mm-hmm. uh, I, I can't remember how long ago it was, but it was definitely right. before the Syrian refugee crisis. And uh, I remember when that happened, it kind of, uh, you know, and then the whole world started or the Muslim world started to criticize uh, the Danish newspapers for this. I think Denmark has started to really resent uh, and started to really um, take this stance on immigration. And so and it affects everyone. And, and also even the upcoming policies and change of Danish citizenship and and things like this uh, that will affect everyone, you know. And, uh, and I was also really surprised in some ways because, yeah, you know, it's about freedom of religion, freedom of speech. And now, you know, and Denmark promotes this and is like part of the Danish values and also Danish democracy. But now with some of the rules that are changing uh, with the citizenship, um, it, it will make things more complicated. And I'll give an example of what I mean. So one of the rules of I understand that will be changing in uh, in Denmark is regarding the citizenship tests. And you have to uh, when, when you take your citizenship test, you have to ask, you know, you have to know questions about culture, about uh, history, like very similar to what how you take a lot of citizen, citizenship tests around the world. However, they will be adding five more questions. And so they will be targeting more about what your values are. Are. And mm-hmm. so these are considered right values. And so and if you answer them wrong, then they're not Danish values. And what mm-hmm. the critique is, is that these questions are more targeted towards Muslims than they are toward white white right. immigrants or right. from those who are not Muslim. Right. So and this is what is considered like, you know, uh, breaching freedom of speech and and freedom of, of religion and to like and to be critiqued or not being able to get citizenship because you have certain you know, beliefs and so on and religious. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's very complicated, you know, story. And I think this is definitely within when, since I have been there, since I have been here, it's been harder and harder and harder. And I'll give you an example. And now in order to get permanent residency in Denmark, you have to work full time uh, the last three and a half years uh, within four years. Uh, and being in Denmark or the last, yeah, the last the four years of, yeah, the last four years of your residency, three and a half have to be working full time. So that affects me in a different mm. way because I, you know, I, I've always, and that's, I think one of the reasons why I've always struggled because I've had so much pressure in order to, you know, have the, the uh, residence uh, to keep this residency. It used to be like four, four out of five uh, or four out of five years instead. Now they've changed it to even, uh, to be a little bit tighter and stricter, 
uh, in that way. So I was always under this pressure to be full time and to keep a job. And, and that was so, and, and like, and I was mm. always wondering like, what the hell, like what's, what's wrong with me, you know, at the end of the day. And so, and then, and, and actually what it caused depression and mm. it caused me to, to, to break. I mean, it literally caused me to break because all I'm trying to do is just like try to, be with my boyfriend now husband and mm -hmm. you know fiance and that's why one of the reasons I started like I, I do what I do now is because I just said screw it I'm just mm -hmm. going to be happy and that's what matters and that no one should be determining what that happiness should be I am you know I am working I am contributing and if this is not considered full-time to the Danish authorities so be it you know I'm, I'm working hard to support and contribute to my family to the relationship I'm paying my Danish taxes, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, so it, whether, you know, what, what I do is, you know, and, and, and I don't, and, and that's what I understand is having this business does not, uh, might uh, probably will not prove that it's full time, you know, so, and that's so difficult to prove. <laughs> so that's right. why I just said, screw it, because, uh, you know, it's going to change again within like, because the, the rules have changed so much within five years, and it's getting harder and harder and harder. And it's always like, you know, and, and I remember having a debate actually, and I've been in a lot of political debates recently uh, with, because the local election is coming up here. And one of the um, politicians that I was uh, debating with was, was saying, well, you know, isn't like the fear that you have, because I was telling him about my fear. I always have fear that one day they will be so strict that, yeah, I, I will one day, you see, you probably hear the, uh, the happy back noises in the background uh right now with my baby but like it's true that I am sincerely terrified that I will be separated from my very cute son where you can hear cute noises in the background <laughs> right mm. and and I and I and I'm genuinely terrified that there the rules will be strict something happens and then they're gonna say sayonara okay like okay the the baby is left with the husband and we're just gonna send you yes you're married we don't care uh we're just gonna send you to mm. back to United States Hmm. And that is something that terrifies me. And I remember the politician was like, well, like, isn't that just a fear? And I'm like, eh, and not the reality of the situation. I'm like, well, the reality hmm. is like, you're making it like, it's a fear because you're making things harder and harder and harder. Right. If you're right. making things harder and harder, that could be a potentially a reality for a lot of internationals. It's not just me. It's just for a lot of people, you know, who contribute. Sure. And so yeah. And so, yeah, it's a long answer to your question, but it's a, it's a real, it's a real concern, I think, for a lot of people here. So, yeah, if you could talk just a bit about your experience there as a, a working in sales for these uh, different startup companies, it sounds like that was a, a rough road for you. And I mean, I only say that because I'm also coming from a very similar experience in Germany myself. I had three jobs in three years. So, I mean, we're pretty much on par <laughs> uh, job wise. So I'd love just to hear a little bit about, you know, what that experience was like, maybe some of the challenges that you faced, and of course, then how it led you to now starting your new business. Yeah, so I would say that the challenge, like, I mean, I maybe to be clear about maybe the different reasons why mm -hmm. I was, well, I, they told me I was let go. Some were actually, some uh, positions were temporary positions. I had temporary contracts, mm -hmm. so that's the obvious reason for one. Uh, others were company mergers. I mean, if you work in a startup, I think if you do work in the startup industry, it is just a volatile industry in general to be in, especially in sales. And so, you know, company merger, um, you know, change in strategy, you know, I would say the last position 
position I take responsibility for or I own up to because I took a strategy I thought would work, it didn't, and it cost me my position. And and that's fair enough. But I would say, I mentioned one of the frustrations was that I think that they, I think it's more of the culture as something having someone exotic in the way of like that is someone who is not Danish. And it was like, and this the attractiveness of wanting to be an international company or saying that they have international talent, right? And sometimes I think like when they had me, they just were a little bit surprised and back because I am a very, um, you know, <laughs> and the very definitely when 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 you meet me, I'm like a very stereotypical loud American to some degree, you know, and and they and I think also like I'll give another example. Of what was really tough? Um, there's this cult. There's this uh, philosophy in Denmark called Yenta Law, or this law of Yenta. And it's a philosophy from, you know, the the mid 20th century uh, and this idea of being humble and not boasting or bragging. And I think as an as an American, like, you know, when you work in an American workplace, you always want to be praised and you want to be accepted and that you're told, oh, good job. You know, like not in the superficial sense, but there's a lot more like you know, uh, encouragement mm-hmm. uh, in, in the American workplace, at least from my experience. And when I came, when I was in Denmark, it was just like, okay, this is your job. You're expected to do this. And if you do a good job, like they don't say it and they just like, you know, you just do it. And there is no reassurance. And that was really tough, um, especially in sales, because I was doing like expect one company I was breaking, like I was the only salesperson, uh, you know, and I and we were doing like really well, like breaking sales revenue records and uh, doing really well. But I didn't like it was it was tough because I was also told like one time I was told by my boss that it was like a bit much. And Mm -hmm. that like, you know, uh, because I felt like I always had to talk about my achievements because I really just wanted to be like to be told I did a good job. And that's all I wanted is is that. And I think that was like one of the very, very. And and because I was seeking this out, they they thought that I was maybe uh, an attention seeker Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and also that I was breaking this. And it's law of Yenta and like boasting and bragging and, and so on. And it's funny because there's a lot of Danish companies who or even the company I was working at for the longest time for like a year and a half to two years they were like oh yeah Lientolo it doesn't like apply here but I, mm. re, in, the, in reality it really does and they don't really realize it themselves how much this philosophy applies or how much it's integrated in the society and it's just uh it's they don't really they don't really don't know they don't really under like they don't realize to what depth it, it really goes down to or how much this philosophy has influenced the Danish culture and the workplace yeah I, I think that was just the one of the biggest challenges I think for me that I didn't even realize till much later and yeah there I mean there were other reasons I think that was mainly the main reason mm-hmm. is just like both sides just not understanding the 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 work style or like the different work styles that we're used to because I wasn't used to the day and, and, and it's funny because everyone in Denmark is focusing on like personality tests and like it's about being the right fit and that this is more important than even if you have more experience and the skills and the competences to do that but I think in some ways that's a bit flawed because they might have thought of me as being the right fit personality wise and not that I didn't have the skills for it but they just 
like you know everything is based on gut feeling right and they but they never and it and it was I felt like a good cultural fit uh or in the way of like personality but then you don't take into consideration the different culture styles and they don't understand where uh, how I used to work even though what I was in high school you know that this is how like I'm used to working uh, versus you know and, and all, but also I'll be fair like I think like when I worked in Germany I worked with mainly Americans when I was a, a freelance uh you know English teacher so I was used to already working with you know with the Americans and then when I go working with Danes it felt like it felt like it in a different country because in Germany, yes, I, I did. Like, mm. I wouldn't say that I had German colleagues in the same way because I worked with an Amer- I worked with American companies mainly, you know, who uh, for for teaching English. So it was almost like as if I were working in the United States to some degree. Right. You know? If if we so. if I could uh, ask more about just then, how did you decide that ultimately you wanted then build your own business and and frankly to help other people to come to Denmark, other internationals because you're talking about all the challenges that you had granted you can tell them about those challenges you can inform them you can talk to companies help them to be more accepting but is it difficult to be like hey look at this really difficult time that I had are you ready you know how do you how do you give that information and how do you support and and motivate people knowing how difficult it is especially if they're not fluent in Danish or they're not familiar with the culture yeah, that's a that's a really good question. So the story of maybe uh, first we should go in the story of how I got into doing career sure. Denmark. Um, it was a few years ago. Uh, I was already currently working at a company. And I remember I was complaining. And I was really unhappy working there, but I was just doing it to get the permanent residency. Right. And I remember just talking to a friend of, and like just kind of complaining about the situation at the time. And uh, and he was like, well, like how many jobs have you had? And I'm like, Oh, you know, I, at that time, I think I had maybe like four or three or something. And within like a few years and he's like, well, like, have you thought, thought about doing your own business? And I was like, it's like, I don't want my own business. Like, no, like I'm not a businesswoman. Like I, I said, I want no part of it. He's like, I'll tell you what, Kate. And here's the reason why you should have your own business. He's like, you are relatable you have had more jobs than most people in Denmark have. He's like, and you don't even speak fluent Danish. He's like, you have something, you have a teaching background. You could definitely take your methods and apply them uh, to, uh, to help other internationals in getting a job. You should sincerely consider it. Hmm. I was like, uh, I'll think about it. You know, I didn't mean it, but, but you know, at the time I was like, okay, I'll think about it. And then I remember uh, I was sitting in Danish class uh, and I was like, go, this is, uh, you know, a while later uh, and telling her about my situation. And she's like, oh, you know, you'll you'll get something, Kate. Don't worry. You know, you'll you'll find something. And she didn't and, and she didn't really mean it. I kind of felt that. But I was like, you know, it's fine. She's also American, too. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, not kidding. Like within like a few weeks, <laughs> I was like telling her that I got a new position and, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. And hopefully this is the one that's going to stick. And she's like, OK, Kate. She's like, I'm going to admit to you right now. I didn't mean anything I said. I didn't <laughs> think you'd get something within two weeks. And she's like, I'm a PhD. I'm also American. I have been trying to get a job in Denmark for a long time now. And to- I have not gotten anything. I would kill to get be in your shoes, even having a lucrative like sales position. 
why, how are you so good at getting positions in Denmark? She's like, seriously, she's like, I don't even know anyone who is as good as you. And I thought, well, and it really made me think because at the time, because I I didn't really, yeah, it it made me really think hard because I, I, I didn't really like, I didn't think anything of it. Uh, and that was just kind of another seed that was planted. And then I like I thought about it after a while and, and talking to various internationals who have had a really difficult time in getting a job or even like even any job for that matter. And I said, OK, I'm going to do a motivational talk. I'm going to tell my story. And I said an appointment, I, I, I met with an organization uh, and then I, and I talked to them and said, you know, would you be willing to do this uh, are interested in doing this? And they're like, yeah, sure. And this was before COVID. And also the second biggest city in Denmark. So it's not that big. I, I can't, I don't know on the top of my head. It's not like as big as Copenhagen, you know, and more than 80 people showed up and it was like super packed. People were standing to, to hear. And, and like 80 people in the room is like, uh, uh, wow. like is still a lot of people. And that, that's what we, what was counted. And I was like, okay. I said, there must be something in this. Right. So, and then I started doing workshops and they were packed. Like every time I would have like, 50 people in a room doing a workshop. And I was like, okay, I, I saw the need. Can this be done? And so, uh, and then after I lost my most recent job after, you know, doing this, uh, cause, and I was like, okay, I said, this must be a sign and maybe I should just do it. And I became official of March last year. I was doing it for like two years ago. I was just kind of doing it to test the waters a little bit and found that it, this, this is, there is potential in it. And last year does what did really well for career Denmark and, uh, and really like, yes, I do like my one-on-one coaching, but my goal has always been to get my courses free to internationals and working with municipalities, with unemployment insurance companies Mm -hmm. here, um, to, you know, to work with various organizations and then seeing the success and what I do. And yeah, and, and that's really the story of having my own business, because you're right, like, you know, have, having a lot of positions looks bad uh, in a lot of ways, but I decided to not like to f- not focus on the negative and focus on the positive, because I just realized that there are so many people here who are struggling, who are highly educated and who are working in cleaning jobs. And there's no way mm-hmm. that someone in IT who has a fr- like who does front end education or software or who is an engineer, none of these people should be working cleaning jobs at all because they should be doing these educated jobs that are in high demand. Like IT is in demand here. Engineering is in demand. And I've been seeing like a huge results on how to communicate and how to work in a way where like it's more about like my methods more about are helping them and not only to teach them how to communicate their value, but also to help the way they communicate to help Danish employers open their eyes mm-hmm. a little bit to why they would be valuable and why they should hire them and to and even if they're closed minded, uh, that then they're able to have that conversation to become more open minded It doesn't like, you know, it, it, my methods more like 
you know, if you, there's a saying, you know, American saying that, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't <laughs> force it to drink. Right. It's the same, like, you know, I can, I can, lead, like, I teach them the method that, you know, to help the Danish employer to go to the, the, to the water, but it's, or to, to help them understand, but it's up to them, to, to the, the Danish employer to decide whether to take them or not, you know, and it's also the way of how I teach things are, how to put it in a way where it's also still like my style or like, it's still some American influence. Like for example, I'll give an example of like one of the things that's a little bit backwards is uh, here in Denmark is like, there are still career advisors who teach internationals to put their nationality and their birthday on their CV. Hmm. I'm not kidding you. And it's something that in the United States, you would never do. Like you never put in your nationality, you never. And like most English speaking companies, like especially UK. Well, of course, but it's also because UK and, you know, United States have a different history. Right. So and Denmark has not had that history. And so they are and they're teaching these things because in a Danish perspective, they're saying, well, it's because we want to see your personality. But mm. what happens is that it's not about showing your personality. It's just giving an excuse to the Danish employer why they should not be hired. And it's because either the Romanian or Bulgarian or whatever. And I'm telling internationals, take this out because this should not be the focus. The mm-hmm. focus should be about the value that you can give, not about your nationality, not about how old you are. You know, this, this should just mainly be focusing on the skills and competences that you can bring to the company. And that should be the most important. And, and I'm already seeing a difference. And for me, like you know it's not so much like I would love like and I really hope career Denmark is going to do well and I and I and I firmly believe it will and I have faith it will but it's also for me more about just making an impact an impact Mm -hmm. to make change in how things are done because and I'm seeing results and I and and trying to get people to understand that like this like that there is still racism in Denmark there's still sexism in Denmark and that especially in recruitment and that certain changes need to be made but it's only like I can only do so much right so it's also like I'm trying to make things on a bigger scale to say look this is what's happening and this this is why things should be taught in a different way and I'm hoping one day that people will be open to that and have an open perspective or especially municipalities and and uh, different organizations but again they have to they have to want to drink it man like they just (laughs) gotta drink it if they want it you know so Absolutely. You know, we do so much. Yeah, I think it's amazing. It sounds like an awesome mission. You've had a lot of success so far. And I'm curious in closing up our conversation here, if you had any other particular pointers for people that are interested in moving to Denmark, maybe to work there or maybe through some other means, but you know, where should they get started? I mean, where should they maybe try to find jobs or, or even just try to make this move happen? Um, if you have any parting words, that would be great to hear. Yeah, so one of the things you need to know before coming to Denmark is to know what, how much you really want it. That's the most important thing. How much, and I'm serious because a lot of people don't understand like, you know, how I came to Denmark and the way I got to Denmark doesn't really exist anymore. It's a different system than what, uh, how I did it. And, and it's, it's completely outdated uh, in that way. So um, really the only way you can come to Denmark is to get a work visa. And uh, unless 
you know, and even like, and, and a lot of people think, oh, I can find a Danish girl to come. No, that's like, you're not guaranteed, like, you know, go to another country if you want, like, if you want something like that. Denmark is not the country for you, then if that's the case, uh, to be quite frank, uh, you really like, you need to look at to, something called the positive list. The positive list is a way for, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to come under a work visa, but the best way for anyone to come to Denmark is to look at the positive list, which is on, based on every six months from the uh, yeah it's from the Danish uh, Ministry of uh, Integration in uh, in immigration uh, it, it renew you check it the first of January and the first of July it's, it updates itself every six months and what it is is basically the Danish uh, government saying the, this is what is in demand in the market right now they have analyzed the Danish labor market and saying that we need engineers we need IT people we need um, I've actually seen preachers and I've seen organists like I've seen like really bizarre stuff like what, what Denmark needs in the labor market I was like oh if you're an organist you can you can come to Denmark no problem you know so and, and it's bizarre and just basically what the positive list means is like that it, they will process your visa faster because you are you know because you have a specific educational background but then the but you still need a sponsor meaning that you need uh, an employer to say that we're going to hire you and that they're going to pay you a face salary fair salary they have to meet certain conditions and then uh, yeah then you can come to excuse me come to Denmark no problem and that is really like the advice that I have mm. is like to really analyze the market, look at the, uh, it's called Nui Denmark. Uh, it's NY and then I Denmark. I'll, I'll send you the link for you to put in this description below uh, for people to look at. And, you, and it's in English, like every, almost everything, like on the internet, if it's something for Denmark, you can find a lot. Mm. When it comes to job portals, you need to like... Yeah. And for one thing, even before you even think about job portals, you need to know, like, uh, not only if, if you, that your fields in demand, that's one way to go about it is from the education system. But you can all, but also do research on, like, what portals are best for you. Like, if you are an engineer, um, it would be work in Denmark.dk. Um, if it's a, in sales, it would be jobindex.dk. Um, and you need to find the portals that work for you and your field and industry because because Denmark likes to specialize. Mm. Like what if you're in a specific field, like what, for example, if you want to be a teacher in Denmark, then you need to use a different job portal, like to be a teacher otherwise, or like if you want to be a pharmacist or doctor, whatever, like you just, you need to be, you need to find the right portals for you because some portals like don't work for you know, everyone, even if job yeah. index is one of the biggest ones, they still have issues with keywords and you'll get really random mm. keywords that don't work. And you can do it in English. Like, it don't matter. Like, just do the research and find out, okay, even if, if I'm not on, if it's not on the positive list, is there any possibility that I can get a position where a company is, is interested in sponsoring me, you know, and, and it, it is easy. like, if you're an EU citizen, it, it will be so much easier for you if mm. you have that EU citizenship passport. But if you're not an EU um, it, it you need to like really work hard and and just like you know there's of course you can hire someone like me but like you know you can find things on the internet too it's not the same as hiring someone who has the insight but there's also information out there and just do the research and uh, but it, but if you want like an insider uh, training and so on so then yeah. just go through uh, you know go through the uh, 
website and so on or on the website portals. So, yeah. Thanks so much for all that great information. Really helpful stuff. I'm sure our listeners want to find out more about you and what you're doing. So if there's anywhere they can find you online, please let us know. Yeah, definitely. Just uh, go to uh, careerdenmark.dk and uh, look and see what I have to offer. If it looks for you, I also, uh, if it looks interesting for you, I also um, have, you know, of course, this podcast is going to be on my website, but there's like, I'm on a ton of podcasts. I'm on a ton of YouTube videos, like a ton of articles that are out on my, like, if, you know, for anything, even if it's not to book a session, just check out my website for all the, the content. Follow me on LinkedIn. Uh, you know, my Facebook page, you know, where there's content as well, uh, coming in to learn, get some tidbits and so on. And, and uh, yeah, just just make sure to follow me on, on the Facebook and uh, LinkedIn platforms or, or just check out my website if you want to have me and have my time. So <laughs> <laughs> sounds good. We'll definitely put the links in the show description. Thanks so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure and look forward to keeping in touch. Definitely, David. Have a good one, guys. And, and thank you so much, David. Have a good one. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take a minute and give us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It helps new listeners find us and lets us know that we are putting out content that you appreciate. You can quickly find out where and how to rate us at ratethispodcast.com slash expatempire. If you know anyone who would appreciate this podcast, please tell them about it so we can continue growing the global expat empire community. Keep up to date on new expat empire podcast episodes by pressing the subscribe button in the podcasting app of your choice. You can also visit expatempire.com and sign up for our newsletter to get our free ebook, Top 10 Tips for Moving Abroad, right now. We are also on Facebook and Instagram at Expat Empire, so be sure to follow us there. We are currently offering free consulting calls to discuss your moving plans and how Expat Empire can help you to achieve them. Please visit our website to schedule your call today. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode in the coming weeks.